Powered by Go Goat Sports in partnership with TSN, this is episode 27 of season four of the Ray and Riggs Hockey Podcast, presented by our title sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey. It's the holiday season, Ray, and in the spirit of the holidays, you know, we've talked a lot over the last, well, three plus seasons about having Pat Flatley and Glenn Healy on the podcast. You know, two great teammates of yours from the New York Islanders days of the early to mid-90s. So, look, we pre-recorded this, so I'm going to tease it because we're going to get to it shortly. But just sensational. But having the three of you guys go back and forth with story after story, I mean, it's it's without doubt. We've done a lot of podcasts here on the Rain Dregs podcast. It's it's top five, if not top three, just based on the storytelling and the laughs. Well, it was so fun. It's so great to see both of them. You know, of course, we all, you know, heels and flats see each other frequently. They live in yeah. Toronto. And so for me, it was great to see them. Those two, like from the second they walk into a room, it's exactly what you're going to hear until yeah. the time that they leave. Like it, this is not put on performance. This is this is every day for them. It's just it's oh, I just loved it. I, 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 I hope the people yeah. I hope you guys listening love it as much as i had as much fun doing it oh my god my face hurt and look i mean it's raw right it's raw so we're normally a fairly conservative podcast we keep it between the lines yeah there was nothing outlandish or outrageous but we didn't hit the beep button let's just leave it at that so look forward to that interview headlines ray is always presented by our friends at boston pizza and felt like just again spirit of the season time of year it would be a good idea to maybe revisit some of the bigger surprises to this point of the NHL season. Fair or not, let's start with the Boston Bruins. And as we're recording, they're in top spot in the National Hockey League. But, you know, for the past 30 games of the regular season, you know, they've been at the top or near the top all season long. For me, it's a surprise. I'm not surprised that they're a team in the mix. I just didn't see them being this good this quickly and for sustaining it as long as they have. A couple of things stand out for me was uh, they fired a really good coach in in Bruce Cassidy Mm -hmm. and they bring in Jim Montgomery. He brings a different style. He wants them to attack. He wants them to be more offensive. He wants the D up in the play. So that leads to an amazing first half for Hampus Lindholm. He's had a he's had a really great uh, impact on the Bruins. They bring back David Krejci, and I'm like, eh, I don't know. He's been gone a year. He's 37 years old. I'm not sure. Walt, he dropped right back in like he never left. Actually better yeah. than he was before. He's been fantastic for them. Then I'm like, how are they going to get through those early season surgery recoveries for McAvoy and Marchand and Gresley? And I mm-hmm. thought if they could just hang on till Thanksgiving, they'd be okay. And then, of course... Myself and thousand other people were wrong. They just went flying by it. They've got something there, Dregs. There's a a chemistry bond, uh, a real team approach to it. And you can't go past what Patrice Bergeron's doing. At you know, there's lots of talk. He wasn't going to come back either. He had had four points the other night. Uh, man, just a, an amazing player. And then you couple that, add that on to uh, their goaltending, which has been outstanding. And they've they're full marks. They're, they've been the best team in the league start to finish. What about the New Jersey Devils? I mean, you, you can't be surprised but by what the Devils have accomplished 
uh, this season. I mean, yeah, they're dealing with a bit of a funk. I think that that's somewhat predictable, right? I mean, a team that still relatively young still needs to go through some growing pains. But for me, oh, yeah. that that doesn't diminish the story of the New Jersey Devils as we're in the Christmas break. One of the most entertaining teams to watch, Drake's my my biggest concern, and we talked about early in the year was yeah that their their forward group is a little small, and I'm not saying yeah. that's why they're in the six game winless streak they're in right now, but it doesn't help. Mm-hmm. Like there's a there's a lack of balance in that lineup size and strength to skill, and I'd be shocked if Tom Fitzgerald and the Devils don't try to address that in the next couple of months. That's their weak point. The other thing, too, is, you know, they brought in Vitek Vanacek as a, you know, kind of a one-two starter with Mackenzie Blackwood, who's been hurt for most of the first 30 games of the season. So it's, you know, it's been him. And then they called up Akira Shmeed, and he's had a terrific start. But mm-hmm. their goaltending is has been really good. But I think they need Blackwood to be a part of the picture here. And okay. if he's not a part of the picture, can he become an asset yeah. that they use to to acquire somebody? So. For me, there's some movement on a really good story in Jersey, but there's some movement ahead. All right, let's stay in the East, and then we'll shift over to some of the surprise stories in the West. I don't know if it's fair to call him a surprise, but how impressed are you with Tage Thompson? I mean, you know, he comes off that 38-goal year last year with the Buffalo Sabres, and, man, he is not taking his foot off the pedal this year. He is, for me, a bona fide NHL superstar right now. Well, he's got 26 goals, so 38's a hell of a year. <laughs> I I like my I like my chances if I'm taking the odds of Tage Thompson getting another 13 goals to beat his career high. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he just every night it's it looks like he's going to score. And the, the cool thing for a guy like uh, Thompson, well, really for any score, is to have a varied way you can score. Yeah, and you know Thompson's got that howitzer that he shoots from the you know from the right or left circle. He scores with talent and skill and size and dangle the puck. He's got a great wrist shot. Like he's got a lot of options here uh, to score. And I, I just don't see him going through a, a major dry spell. And I mean, he's at a pace that's well over 50 right now. Mm-hmm. All right. Over to the West, where I think it's pretty safe to say the two surprise teams, Seattle Kraken, Winnipeg Jets. I mean, Seattle is legit in the Pacific and Winnipeg, as we record, the uh, Ray and Dregs podcast pre-Christmas is top 10 in the National Hockey League, and both, both have faced their share of challenges. Well, I mean, man, is Seattle made a jump. You know, last year they, they had all kinds of trouble scoring goals, and, you know, because their goaltending was just average, they you lose most of the time. Mm-hmm. You can't outscore mm-hmm. any mistakes. Now, their goaltending hasn't been, you know, top of the league. It's been adequate. Martin Jones has had a, a real good run. I think he's got 14 wins right now. Yeah. You know, Grubauer's been hurt for much of the first half, but they can score. And that's a major departure point for them. Matty Beneers is, you know, is at the head of the class of the, uh, if you're picking the Calder Trophy right now, he would be, you know, at the very top of it. But Seattle's been a hugely positive story this year. As for Winnipeg, you know, Rick Bonus gets hired there. And it felt like if we remember back to that time, Drake, all the conversation was around Barry Trotz. It was, yeah. And it felt like Rick Bonus was, okay, Trotz isn't going to coach, we'll hire Rick. Mm-hmm. Well, he seems to have pushed every button imaginable, and it's worked. You know, taking the captain captaincy from Blake Wheeler so that, you know, Blake's a very powerful voice in that locker room. So by taking away the C, and now you instantly spread the leadership 
around the room because it has to. Yeah. Yet Rick still had Rick Bonus still had to bridge that with Blake Wheeler to make Blake realize and accept his importance and new role on the team. And that's worked flawlessly. Josh Morrissey's had literally a Norris type start to the season. He is if I'm picking my three guys for for the Norris, Josh Morrissey's in there right now. The one thing that's happened with him is offensive. What's that? A truck driving into your house? A big batch of light there. No, but quick interjection here. Holly just came running up, opens the front door, and Tiny comes waltzing in through the front door. And she's not supposed to be front of the house. So either the gate was open to the backyard in the 130-pound Great Dane went for a trot around the neighborhood. Anyway, she just... <laughs> walked in and i'm like what so (laughs) i'm glad it all went out (laughs) Uh, so just that i would have morrissey in my top three for the norris shifley and pierre-luc dubois have been terrific up front kyle connor still in my mind is one of the more underrated players in the league he's on an amazing role right now but isn't it interesting how you know you can project and look and they didn't make a lot of changes no, and not many all at of all. a sudden, all of a sudden, the Jets are—they're yeah. a team you have to reckon with, and and it's interesting for them timing-wise. You know, Shifley's going to go into the last year of his contract in the summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dubois is in the last year of his contract, and so that you know, time is now. Yeah, because you don't know what the future is going to take to. So we have time to talk about Colorado as we come back after the holidays. And you know what? Slowly but surely, the Avs are going to get healthy. So let's let's skip over Colorado as defending yep. champs. But some time on on the Alberta teams, and and it makes sense that we start with the Oilers and Jack Campbell, just because I don't think anyone could have expected, even though Jack Campbell had his struggles with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Who's kidding? Who? Sure. I don't think anybody expected that at the beginning of a five year, twenty five million dollar deal, he would struggle as mightily as he has. Thank God for Stu Skinner, or the Edmonton Oilers are in a real pickle in goal. Well, it, I mean, they, they brought Campbell in because they needed to take that jump. And, you know, Mike Smith had, quite frankly, given them pretty great goaltending towards the yeah. last half of the year. But, you know, he just couldn't play anymore. And at 42, it was, you know, clearly time to, to do something else. So they bring in Campbell. I, I'm not surprised. I don't think that. You know, that there's been some struggles. I mean, a lot of goalies, Linus Ulmark from Boston last year was terrible yeah. in the first month of the year. And since yeah. then, he's been one of the league's best goalies. So I'm not surprised that maybe there was a struggle for Campbell, but for it to be the way he is, I'm quite, quite frankly, I'm kind of stunned. I mean, he's, yeah, I'm just looking here. He's 402 goals against average, 876 save percentage. That's near the bottom of the league. It's not even in the midpoint. Stuart Skinner, there's, there's a guy you draft. And, you know, people can be excited about or not excited about, you know, he's just a draft pick. And then he works his way through the system. And all of a sudden he's, he's basically saved their season. Yes. Right. He's at nine. What is he? Nine fifteen. Yeah. Nine fifteen save percentage. He's, he's a goal, full goal lower than Campbell and goal. And I just didn't see that coming. Mm. Calgary going to pull it out and get better in the second half. Yes. I'm surprised they've struggled as they have. You know, big change for Huberto going east to west conference. Cadre's uh, in a new spot. I just thought that would be a, a real nice, smooth fit yeah. for them. And it it just has not been as, as smooth as you would think. Uh, Jacob Markstrom's been all over the place in goal. Yeah. 
Like when you watch him play, I'm really surprised how much you see him sliding around the crease. That to me is he's just trying to do too much. He's overactive. And when I watch him, I'm really quite surprised with that. It doesn't look the same as last year. I mean, I, I think they'll be better, but it does not look at this point the same as last year. You know who they've missed there, Drake's? Yeah. Oliver Shillington. Yeah, they have. And that's a tough story, right? I mean, they need him to get back, but he's got to get his his health and his family in order and all of those yeah. things. But they miss him. Yeah, I mean, like, they've, they've missed his fine. He had a tremendous year last year, and he's away yeah. for personal reasons and, you know, can only hope the best for, for him and his family. But, man, oh, man, like, uh, that defense has kind of fallen apart, too. Mm. It's like, it's like just not the Flames, not the Flames uh-huh. of last year. Those are your headlines. Thanks again to Boston Pizza. Our interviews on Ray and Regs is here brought to you by Canadian Club Whiskey, who are asking, are you over beer? Why not try a CC ginger ale with lime next time you're having a drink or watching a game? Hi, it's Ray Ferraro. You've probably heard me talking about my friends at North Beach Agency and Craft Growth. They provide customized marketing solutions tailored to help grow businesses of all sizes, From results-driven marketing across TV, radio, and podcasts to websites, digital, social, out-of-home, and everything in between, they have the proven expertise to get the measurable results you need to get your business growing. You can visit craftgrowth.net and book your free business growth consultation now. That's craftgrowth.net. Here we are in the Rain Dregs Hockey Podcast to talk about a Christmas blessing. I'm joined by three former New York Islander greats. Ray Ferrer, of course, is here all the time. We've got Pat Flatley and Glenn Healy. And this is, you know, I don't work very hard. I work efficiently. That's how I've lasted this long at this level. And Heels is chuckling already. That's the most honest because that on the show. Yeah, that's fair. I'm just going to throw this out there. I'm going to let you three guys talk about the good old days with the Islanders because you you did have some good days back in the day, back in the 90s, and I'll just get the hell out of the way. So first of all, why don't we start picking on Ray? Um, Why? And you can both take an an initial jab because it just feels Ray has has explained that that his role with the trio was kind of like at the third wheel. Right, so you guys would go for dinner, and he was like kind of the the tag along. Is that a safe assessment? Well, uh, Ray had a nickname, right? It was the Seagull because if he wasn't mm. walking, he was shitting. So, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I used to I used to love it with Ray. There's a couple things, uh, you know, Christmas memories. The one that stands out to me is is the time that we played in Chicago, and poor Ray broke his leg. And we got snowed in in Chicago, which we're probably going to get snowed in in Canada anytime soon. So we spent about four days in a hotel in Chicago and Ray there with a broken leg and desperately trying to get back to an orthopedic doctor. And when we landed in New York to go to the aisle to play the Winnipeg Jets, we all hopped in cabs. We didn't have a bus. And Ray's cab broke down. So broken leg, broken down on the Long Iron Expressway, waiting for one Islander fan to pick him up. And that was Ray's Christmas memory from me to you, Ray. And Well, okay, I'm going to jump really quick. You bastards left me at the airport with Tom Curvers, <laughs> the late Tom Curvers. He was the only guy. I come out, I got my bag, I'm on crutches, and these idiots, oh, we got a game today. And they just left me there. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm at the airport. What a le- leadership. Here's our captain, Flats. Man, I got, I got a game to play today. And he's already sweating and like heels jumped in the cab and the cab literally broke down on the Long Island Expressway. I, was our was our trainer Ed Tiberski at that time? <laughs> yes, it was. So Ed, who was one of the few trainers in the league with, uh, is that narcolepsy when you just fall <laughs> yes, asleep without yes. <laughs> for any reason? Yes. So he probably was sleeping and he was supposed to be driving you, but he's still on the bloody plane when we land. <laughs> so it's a long way from uh, today, you know, when you trainers and everyone, geez, the doctor would have met you at the airport, Ray. Yeah. Do you remember, like, honestly, Eddie's passed away now. And like, you'd turn around in a game and you go, oh, yeah. uh, hey, Tiber, towel, you know, because you got to dry your shield. <laughs> he'd, be <asleep. laughs> he'd be asleep. Standing up. That's not easy. Now, he's not the only one who had narcolepsy on our bench, Greg. I'm telling you. Half the people were asleep for the game as well. But the other, the other great Ray thing I love is is a jewelry story. This is another great one, you know. And, and Ray's very generous for his better half. You know, when he would go to a team and he would be number twenty, he would make a beautiful diamond encrusted necklace with twenty on it. I forgot. Then he got traded. Then he became twenty one. Then he was thirty three. He was thirty eight. Ray, I'm going to give you a little Scottish. Note. <laughs> Keep with the same frickin' number, and you don't have to go buy a new one every time you get traded. <laughs> I came to the Islanders, and just short of hanging in the rafters, somebody was in number twenty-six. I couldn't, I couldn't wear it. Flats, is, oh, Flats is wearing twenty-six. And could you imagine trying to make a deal with him to oh. get the number from him? I would have had to carve off an arm. No, just- I got to tell you guys the no. the story of how I got twenty-six. So I got to the Islanders, and Dave Langevin was twenty-six. And Bill Torrey says to me, well, that six foot five, 240 pound defenseman is currently wearing 26. Do you want to go to him and talk to him, talk to him about it? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, no. And then he says, well, two and six is eight. So you're number eight and shut the frick up and talk to you later. <laughs> that was it. How, how <laughs> no choices. When, you, when you bring up Bill, though, like, you know, Bill Torrey, just like he walked into the room and it was pretty clear, like, that's the boss. That's oh, the yeah. GM. Al came in. That's the coach. All this discussion in the press today with all the managers and coaches and stuff that never happened when no like no did you guys ever have a long conversation where you felt like wait i think they're taking my advice here with with our bill never um well i i mean i uh i did i did a few contracts i negotiated on my own with bill and my lasting memory of, of doing a deal with him was he says to me at one point he goes pat the owner asked how many players in the league can do what you do and I had to be honest and tell him a lot. <laughs> so then he, Pat, the owner says to me, well, then why would we pay Pat? Can't we just go get another guy? And, you know, you say that. So I said, oh, Jesus, Bill. I mean, I'm stumped. Anyway, it was it worked out fine. But that was the type of how Bill had a sense of humor, but at the same time would drive the point home, you know, in a, and him and Al both had a, an ability to be harsh or elegant, but their message was very clear to Ray's point. There was no room for debating. Well, you know, what is what was your talk with Al? You must have had one with Al. For well, sure. let me just jump on Bill for a sec because Bill was, he had a great way of negotiating, right? Which was, he would bring you in his office and this is back when they could send you to Wuhan. Like, it didn't, there was no waiver. <laughs> you know, so Glenn, you're going to Wuhan. Hey, good luck with that. Yeah, yeah, have fun. <laughs> yeah, stay. 
<laughs> Don't forget to wear a mask. Yeah, stay away from the bathroom. <laughs> Anyways, uh, you know, in the office negotiating a deal and at the very end, and he probably did this with Pat, he did it with you too, Ray, and, and Bill would say, do you notice anything different in my office? And I would think, wow, the painting behind me? No, 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 I've had that for years. Oh, the desk, is it new? No, nope. when I first moved into Coliseum, this is my desk, the desk I have. So I'm stumped. I don't know. I'm running out of objects to talk about. And he basically says, no, I have a pen in my hand, Glenn. The number I write down is the number you take. Now, that is great negotiating. But they worked it so well together as a team. So clearly at the podium, that's when you build your team. Seven times when you name a player and you draft a player. You know, we can't all be spoon-fed guys like like Pat and Ray when they got drafted in the first round. I didn't get drafted at all. But the podium, you build your team, and then the team was given to Al to develop. And when the player wasn't going to be developed, then it was up to both of them to say, okay, time to get rid of them and send them to Wuhan. And they did that many plus years together. And, uh, you know, I mean – Flats and I have talked about this. You know, it should be, hey, if the GM wants to fire the coach and he's hired him, you're both gone. You both should be on the same hook. But that was the yeah. partnership that Al and Bill had. Develop the player once I draft him, and if he can't be developed, he's gone. Okay, Flats, so you were drafted by the Islanders. Yeah. <clears throat> Heels and I came in trades. Heels, I was a fifth rounder. I was not first rounder. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Oh, no, I saw so- you in the, the WLHL, whatever that stupid league is in Western Canada. <laughs> well, I was shooting on guys like you. You were the of the year, 190 goals in three games. Like, I get it. <laughs> Ray's dad in the penalty box for the stats. <laughs> the score sheet. His mom's roughing. So, Jesus. So, Flash, you show up there. The, the, your first round pick, the Islanders win four cups in a row. And, like, I assume that was pretty intimidating. No walking into there? Yeah. My first practice, speaking back to Al, was 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 terrifying. And I had just landed because with the Canadian Olympic team, you know, because we were lucky enough to have Al Eagleson as our concierge, took us to France after the Olympics for three exhibition games against these bloody club teams. <laughs> Why we're there, nobody, still nobody knows, but we each got a thousand bucks. So we're like, holy shit, this is amazing. <laughs> so anyway, I get to Long Island, go to the rink, and I have the most terrible practice you could possibly have. And afterwards, Al walks by me, and I, I just said, hey, Al, I just want to apologize. Um, I, I mean, about that practice, it was, just, it was just terrible. And he says, yeah, you were, and I hope for your sake you're a lot better tomorrow, or you're going to be gone forever to Springfield. And I'm like, okay. Wow. I, yeah, okay. So, you know. slept well well, did you like it wasn't like hey you know that's i understand man you flew all night blah 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 he's like hey you'll be done you'll be done and then uh clark gillies he sees what's happening like this is the beginning of al's like you know uh, yoda like mind games with me and clark he's like let's go i'll drive you back to the hotel so he stops at a deli picks up a six-pack he's like you know we want a bud light i'm like nah i'm good I'm good. I just got back from France, for God's sakes, which is probably why that practice didn't look so good. So he says, you're having a beer. And we do. And Clarky just kind of talked me through about Al. And it was probably uh, the one of the most meaningful building experiences mm-hmm. for me, because I firmly believe if if Clarky hadn't have spent that time with me and I, and I had a sleepless night and worried about Al, it 
could have been a whole new thing. Could have been down the minors right away. It would have been tragic. How about you, Hales? You got one? You got one? Well? I was just thinking about flats here. Like, if, you know, if honestly, if it didn't go better, then, and then, gosh, the Islanders wouldn't have won another Stanley Cup, you know? Oh, they did. Hey, oh, I was waiting for that. They made two games. <laughs> We're talking to one of them. Well, there's, there's no good. That, that's why they call Flats the closer. He came in there and that was the end of it all. Jesus. <laughs> right. Uh, about Al, Al had to give it to you, though. He had oh, to I mean, look, it, you recall the game we had in St. Louis, and he didn't start oh. in that game. And I was very pissed off that I wasn't playing. And then the game started and I realized that player and team B showed up for the game for the Islanders that night. And it was about seven, nothing halfway through the second. And in St. Louis, you couldn't sit on the bench. You had to sit in the Zamboni. So I'm sitting with a Zamboni driver who's missing all his teeth and is basically smoking as the game. <laughs> and, you know, it gets to seven, nothing. Brett Hall scores is six, nothing is hat trick and the hats filter onto the ice. And Al says to Ray, go tell, Healy's going in. So Ray makes the long 170-foot skate to the Zamboni and knocks on the glass. Zamboni, <laughs> We're fine. It's not time for the Zamboni yet. You know, half off. No, I got to talk to the goalie. So they open up the doors, comes in, he goes, Heels, Al wants you in the net. I said, go tell Al to half off. What? Go tell him. <laughs> so shut the door. Zamboni driver keeps drinking, smoking, doing his thing. Ray goes back to the bench and says, uh, Heels doesn't want to go in. And I think of that. <laughs> he told Ray, tell that fat blank, he better go in that 170 foot skate back. What do you want again? Open up the door. <laughs> You're going in. And so, hey, uh, Al was great. Yeah, you, you know, I mean, Radar was his nickname. That team, because nothing escaped him, he caught everything. And when we beat Pittsburgh that time and Game seven with a great pass from Ray Ferraro to David Volick, and we celebrated and stopped to get what we were only allowed two cases of beer on the bus. That's it. We stopped to get the beer, and of course, Flats and I can't count to two, so it was really seven. <laughs> we decided to pass five up through the emergency exit, and we walked on the bus, Pat and I. I was the choir boy with the bells, and he was the choir boy with the, the holy water. <laughs> One case each, only two, right? That's all we got. And Al looked at us and said, I saw the other five go through the window. He <laughs> <laughs> was just a lovely man in every way. But yeah. Another, uh, just another Al story with Glenn, Dregs and Ray. Ray, you probably remember this, but and I, as I was coaching the kids, I learned from Glenn, it's never the goalie's fault because <laughs> the forward, if he didn't lose the battle down the other end, it doesn't even get to our end. So Heels had this, good way of never it being his fault so he would give the defenseman shit non-stop when a goal would get in or something so gary nyland came back to the bench one game and i guess he said i'm gonna punch our goalie in the face if he says <laughs> one more word to me and knock him out i don't care <laughs> al's like flatly he al says get over here he goes tell that friend of yours in the net to shut his freaking yap or the defensemen are gonna come and kill him <laughs> like this has happened during the game like Ray, like Hills was just talking about Ray just unbelievable stuff but that that's what you know made that team what it was like it was there was there's no hidden no secrets it was okay, now, flat you gotta, out you gotta finish the story Flats which is you go tell that goal okay so Flats comes down to me and I can see you know Buckethead coming down you know and you know that was a big helmet he wasn't it? big helmet here's his knee breaks Screech, screech, screech. <laughs> so Tom stands in front of me. I'm like, 
What? <laughs> he didn't say a word. Nothing. All I can smell is pesto pasta on his breath. He just looks at me and shakes his head a couple of times and leaves. So back to the bench, you tell him? Yeah, I, I told him, Al. I told him. He didn't say a word to me. Oh, I know. I, well, I didn't want to get you hotter. How about flats <laughs> when you look back there? And heels, you did have the, in a time where goalies didn't have great looking equipment, you had the worst goalie setup of all time. The hockey, the helmet with that stupid cage, cage that you yeah. had on, and you'd lift your mask up to get a drink of water. Oh my God, your face was as red as Flats's shirt right now. And you'd be steaming. And the one thing you could do is you threw the, the darts. When the defenseman lost their guy, you would throw darts like you'd be like, well, something bad's going to happen here. Whether it was <laughs> Richie Pilon or Gary Nyland, or we'd be like, oh boy. Because you, you were really good at keeping things level. Heels. Yeah, well, like you were pretty <laughs> hard to get a nickname Head Case Healy by just being normal. <laughs> and the equipment, hey, you know what? At the end of the day, uh, what did it get me? I mean, 400 stitches in my face. I severed my finger. I had the most illegal pads in the league. I mean, in Montreal at the forum, I couldn't even walk through the door. I had to go sideways to get through the door at the forum. And every time they came in to measure the pads, remember Jim Gregory was the pad measurer. I would have like Ed Taberski lay on my pads because he was 400 pounds. <laughs> and then the, the minute Jim Gregory left, I don't even know if he knew how to measure. We had to take this way. No, Jimmy, it's the wit. Okay. God rest his soul. But, and then we go back to the vice on the pads and whoop, here we go. Go, go gadget, illegal pads. But, Ray, uh, do you remember when uh, Mick hit Glenn in the head that first shot in practice? <laughs> yes, <laughs> because you know what, Flats? I was thinking of that this morning. If I remember, so this is Mick Vakoda. He's our tough guy. If I remember, we were at the practice rink, yep. and you had to walk along the end of the rink to the yep. side door to come on. And Mick was late for some, for whatever reason. Yep. He was late. And Heels is already on high alert. Mick comes down. It's three o'clock in the afternoon practice, and he's late. <laughs> he hits heels dead center. It was like an eject button. It hit him right dead center. <laughs> and then, but then the way heel, heels comes out of the net with his stick up, like chasing Ray, uh, chasing Mick around the ice, and Mick is looking back, just laughing. We're all cracking up, but heels is losing it. That was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Yeah, that was really funny. That is so funny. Now, I can tell you, we had our Islander reunion. And, and the Islanders are great. The ownership brings everybody back. Ray doesn't come because there's nobody to carry the rickshaw in because it's royalties arrived. So that's fine. With Flat Island. Okay, by the way, you guys, you guys all live a 45-minute flight away. Hey, Ray, in the midst of your 200 days away from home, do you want to come in for four hours? I can't. Heels, nothing would make me happier than to spend a weekend with you listening to your shit in my ear. <laughs> yeah. And to get berated by flat for not putting the puck on my fucking stick. On my stick. Well, so two things. One, Mick Dakota, the first thing he said to me in that reunion was that, Hey, I'm sorry about that. That one practice. I'm really sorry. From 30 years ago. Yeah. And you're 200 days away from home that you live. Oh my gosh. It's really 400 because you got to work with Pierre Maguire. So you got to times everything by two. <laughs> hey, by the way, that remind maybe, I don't know because I wasn't at the reunion, but Flats, 
when everybody showed up, was Heels playing the bagpipes? Did, did he force everybody to listen to him again? <laughs> no, Susie forbid him from taking them on the plane. He wasn't allowed. Oh, Susie. I know. Thank thing. God. Thank God. There's, By the way, I had to room with him when he was learning. So when he had no air, he just had the little fiddle thing that he had to learn how to play. I, so I, I had, had to play a flat You had to play that. Does that flute. sound better? Does it sound better? Like, how can you tell No, it the sounds like you're, like you're grade three kid's flute. Like you're just learning how to play it. It's gross. <laughs> I brought Ray again. He had another broken leg. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Did they not have milk when when you were growing up as a kid? Like, <laughs> there was none in trail. Just letting <laughs> say, here. In the mining community, sans cows. Ray's dad came over one of the roads from uh, Vancouver all the way to Ontario. So. And Ray worked inside the drum where you had to chip the cement. Now you know the rest of the story. Anyways, um, I brought Ray to a Highland Games. You know, just think about this, Dregs. You know, high, Scottish music, bagpipes, yeah. kilts, haggis, wit, whiskey, Wayne Gretzky whiskey. Oh, we had it all. Yeah. And Ray sat in his chair, and I, and, you know, he sat amongst a bunch of people. They had a cooler full of beer. Again, broken leg. And at the end of the day, literally took the cast off himself and ran back to the hotel. He was so sick of bagpipes at the end. It was a mess. Uh, but have you guys, honestly, Heels, I know you've been around the world and, and really done amazing things with, with your piping. I mean, for sure. Have you ever listened to a song with the bagpipe? It starts the, every song. Every song in the history of bagpipes starts the same. It's a guy with the snare drum. And he <laughs> rattles around for a bit. And then you hear... And then it all kind of sounds the same. Like flats, am I wrong with this or no? No, they're an instrument meant to be played outside. That And so when you play them inside, that's why they sound so shitty. Because you're supposed to be outside getting ready to go to battle. That's why they played them for those idiot Scots to like make them run across the field and start, you know, chopping people's heads off. You watch Braveheart. <laughs> we went for dinner one night. We come oh back. My heels God. We're, in, we're with the Rangers. We come back. And of course, with heels, it doesn't matter what time it is. Hey, you want to come in for a cold beer? Holy smokes. Have we not had enough cold beers? Can we go home to bed? So we go yeah. in anyway. We're going to have a beer just before the end of the night. Heels <laughs> walks off into the back part of the house. And all of a sudden you hear like that. I don't even know what it is when they when you're tuning up the pipes oh. and Susie's like, Oh God, he's going to play the pipes. It's one in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> Can we, and he comes in, you're right. It's got to be outside. Yeah. It's too loud. <laughs> you you, only the people that hang around Glenn get earaches in their thirties. <laughs> Otherwise it's just little kids. Well, okay. Getting a chance <laughs> to play with Paul McCartney, pretty darn good. And it wasn't, it was a pretty good song. <laughs> The second last song of his set before Let It Be, you might know that one. You know, I think that was... Is that when he retired? Is that, that was, when he retired and said, I've had it? No, no. And the only reason I picked them up and learned them is so I could actually get to play at the Air Canada Centre. Because I never played there for all four years I was with the Leafs. <laughs> all they did was play Guja game. So at least I got a chance hey, to play there. Heels, do me a favor because I'm going to get the numbers wrong. Tell me... When you were playing for your favorite coach, Mike Keenan, um, uh, <laughs> you started like, were you four and oh, and Mike Richter was oh and four? And then you didn't like, can you kind of run us through that little thing there? And then your next game was, I don't know, New Year's Day or something? Well, <laughs> Mike and I, we, we broke up almost immediately, as you would imagine, right? He would want to have a line drawn in the sand. And once that you drew that line in the sand, he would know not to push forward. If you never do the line, he was going to keep going. 
and then get a bulldozer and then a backhoe and then cement. <laughs> you know, then the next thing you're in a crater going, how did I get here? And Mike did diabolical thing. I know there's a commercial that's on ESPN years ago and we were playing the Islanders. You were still on the team. So was, so was Flats. And thank you for costing me a couple of thousand that one year in the playoffs, Flats. But anyways, uh, you know, here we were playing. You guys had beat us every game. And the thought was, Glenn comes from the Islanders to the Rangers. He'll play and take down the Islanders. And so we were 0-6 or whatever we were that season series with you guys. And it came to, all right, everyone, could, all the coaches will put on a sheet of paper who's going to play the game. So, all right, Dick Todd, Healy. Colin Campbell, Healy. Mike Keenan, Healy. And the Mike looks at the three of them and, or two of them and says, that's it. Decided. Richter plays tonight. Like, he wasn't a till of the hunt, but he was a family member of it. Like, no question. But yeah, we, we had broken up pretty early. I can tell you that. Well, you know, you bring up the playoffs thing. So, Flats, I think this is one of the greatest all-time practical jokes that was played because of Heel's love of his own wallet. <laughs> I don't remember this, but go ahead. Keep, keep going. I know okay, where this, so this is going. Is, we were... Th- the Rangers knocked us out of the playoffs in three games. They made us play the fourth game. I don't know why, but they had they <laughs> swept us out of the playoffs. Uh, so we go to we go to dinner. I think Greg Gilbert was oh, there too. I remember now. Smith and Walensky. Smith and Walensky's. Yeah. Would you like to take this or that with the ring bell? Oh yeah, sure. So there's this bell at Smith and Walensky's. That it's it's there from when it opened from the Madison Square Garden the early days of boxing. So that's the original bell that they would ring for the, to change the rounds. And so I was a regular there and Glenn had never been there because it cost more than $20 to have dinner. So that's why he had never been there. So I said to the owners of this place, I go, look, I'm bringing a guy here. He's going to ring that bell tonight. And if you rung the bell, you had to buy a round for the whole bar. And there could be, you know, 60, 70 people in that bar when you're eating. So sure enough, we had it all figured out, right? I told the waitress, come with some wine and beers early, you know, normal stuff, but then disappear. And then we're going to see what Heels does. So Heels is like, where the F is this waitress? This is nuts. I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe ring that bell. Get her over here. So he's like, for fuck's sakes. And he rings the bell. The whole bar stands up cheering. And that's it. It cost Glenn about 3,500 bucks. And everybody's coming over saying, oh, Glenn, thank you. Thank you for the Manhattan. Every Every person that stopped by our table, Glenn had the same response. Go F yourself. Every person. <laughs> Mr. Healy, thank you so much for the Manhattan. Go F yourself. Well, <laughs> it was about a $3,500 bill. So let's be honest, which is 10 times more than Flats' wedding. And I actually think he actually invited all his wedding guests to the bar that night, knowing I'd ring it. So that would be the first drink that he bought them. <laughs> but, well, it's bad luck uh, if you pay the bill. So I had no choice but to pay the bill. But yeah, no, uh, the bait was set. It was a lure was on the hook, and and stupid yep. me did it. But anyway, hey, Ray could have rang the bell, but he couldn't reach it. <laughs> Put it this way: I'm five foot, whatever nine, and I'm taller than our goalie. What does that say about hockey in the 90s? Yeah, exactly. I, I do have to say, I know we got to wrap up here. Drake just sent me a text here. but So I got to <laughs> say, honestly, I don't know that I had two more 
favorite teammates than than flats and heels. Flats and I used to argue on the bench. We're on a line with Benny Hogue. We all, but we, yeah, go ahead. We'd be like so intense, and Hoagie would be sitting between us, and <laughs> and I'd be yelling at Flats, and Flats would be yelling at me, and Hoagie would go, "Would you two effing guys just shut up?" He couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> just be. But Ray, if the yeah. puck went in the corner, I got it. Flat, well, I got it because Flats got it. The very best, the the very best. How he did it with these knees that had his his knee braces. Heels isn't even joking. They they were made in 1947. These things they were just I couldn't believe uh, it. And handed down from the 80s. Yeah, heels had the biggest heart of any goalie that I played. I thought we dominated Game Seven against Pittsburgh, and just bad break, and then we won it in overtime. Somebody sent me a 25-minute clip of Game 7, and I'm watching it, and I'm like, oh, my God, we had three shots. They all went in. The puck was in our net or in our end for, like, 50 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and and it was one of the greatest goaltending performances ever. So aside from these guys being flat-out hilarious, amazing teammates, and I walked in there, and I was like, Jesus, this is the place I'm supposed to be. This was and Ray, so just about the on the bench arguing. When I got to the Islanders in '84, like that was every every guy on the team, like JT and Sutter and me arguing. Like so, it's it's healthy, right? Like I I sometimes I watch games now, and I never see the, anyone talk to each other on the bench. Even I don't. Do they all? They got nothing. To, they're not pissed off about nothing, or they just no. keep it inside. They, I don't know. They just—it's way more calm. You know, the guys have the tablets now. They look at the play on the bench. Could you imagine, Flats, oh. if I got the <laughs> that tablet, tablet? Would be thrown and, out on the ice. Like, it'd be like, give me that tablet. <laughs> Gone. <laughs> Hit the okay, ref in the head. You get, gonna, get a ten-minute major. Last thing I'm going to bring up with Flats. Heels told us you were skating this morning, which I really don't know why you would ever do that. But that you were out there by yourself. Well, sometimes what were you I, working on? I was out what there were you with. Working a, on? I actually I was out there with a with a good friend of mine, Pete McCrae, today. But um, we just do a couple of shooting drills, and then, honest to God, I got the tunes going and just do laps, and every three minutes change direction, and uh, just to just to miss skating. Really, that's about it. Well, oh, I, you know, I'm still looking for the Titanic to this very day. So why not? Yeah. Last? I mean, you what? Have, they're still looking for the Titanic. Well. Why not see if we can find you? Everyone. <laughs> no. Can I just say, Ray, so, uh, kind words, thank you, but great teammates, great leaders, but I think, you know, the true leadership we showed the best was when Al Arbor was really sick, and we didn't wait to go to his funeral and put on our best suit and, and say what we had to say when he had passed away. We all went down to Florida, the three of us, and sat with him, and it was the conversation was just like this but just shows the character of the two guys that Dregs, you weren't there. So I'm not including you in that, but the character of the guys that were there and meant everything to Al and it meant everything to Claire and it probably meant everything to us. So two great guys, great leaders, great teammates. And uh, yeah, they, there's no replay on the score sheet. Bullock scored, but by Pittsburgh and they were dismantled after that. So game on. <laughs> well, guys, you have a, have a Merry Christmas. I hope your families are, are all well and you guys have a, a great Christmas and uh, heels. I'm sure you got somebody lifting snow for you because you wouldn't be strong enough to get it out of your driveway. <laughs> hey, heels, hey, don't you have a green party meeting to go to with Susie later? <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Sorry, couldn't resist. <laughs> uh, she's a All right, guy. gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, have fun. Have fun there. Okay. Don't forget to bring your head of lettuce. All right. <laughs> the stories will never get old. Thanks for doing this and uh, have a Merry Christmas. Right. Thanks, guys. All right. Bye bye. Oh, boy, that was funny. Uh, let's raise a glass, Ray. Fine Chronicle Series CC to Pat Flatley and Glenn Healy, your former New York Islander teammates, for joining us today, presented by our pals at Canadian Club Whiskey. Final Chronicle Series 45-year-old release is now available everywhere. And, man, I just hope that today's hockey fan and the fan that, of course, recalls those days, those uh, just entertaining days when you guys were patrolling the league with New York Islanders, can appreciate the camaraderie that obviously existed then, but is so evident now because not to berate today's player, but you guys could have went on for five hours with story after story after story. Uh, there's, I, I mean, we we cut because you know we're getting for time and stuff, yeah. but then we stay on for ten more minutes and tell twelve more. It's like they're just so fun because. Here, here's the thing, like, and I don't know that it's the same today because life is more fragmented today than it than it was then. So mm. we never had a charter. So every time we played a game, we stayed overnight. Yeah. And when we stayed overnight, you go for dinner and you have a couple of drinks after the game or whatever. And then the next morning you meet to go to the airport and the story's just, you know, some somebody has a bad suit or somebody played a great game and you start teasing that guy for whatever I, it just yeah, yeah you were always together and you you didn't have anywhere else to go but when you when you just even see the way that heels and flats are it was non-stop yeah with those guys and so when you came in our room you walked in glenn sat in the first stall the second stall was empty i sat in the third stall and Flat sat in the fourth stall. I think Flat sat in that stall, honestly, his entire time with the Islanders. Mm -hmm. And so when you walked in, it was like, you know, the old Muppets there that, you know, we're all like chirping away. It was just, I don't know. It was just, it was a great time. I just, I just really, I'm just, I think they're just hilarious. And so I, I hope, I hope everybody enjoyed their nonsense. So good. All right, from Pat Flatley and Glenn Healy, we go to Chris Abbott. Chris Abbott, presentation Batano.ca, available in Ontario. At Batano, the game starts now. Episode 27, there's a lot going on in the National Hockey League, Chris. Uh, we're, you know, caught up with the World Juniors. That's always an exciting time this time of year. But it's also an opportunity for us to remind people that, yeah, there's been a lot of hockey played in the NHL, but there's a lot more to come and people are constantly looking for ideas. So why don't we look at you know what the predictions are now? If you look at the Eastern Conference, the Western Conference, is it pretty much the way it reads as you look at the standings or are people more interested clearly in, in the long shots based on the betting lines and all that? Uh, you know, I always go back to a couple of years ago when St. Louis were in dead last around this time of year, right? And you always wonder if there's going to be an opportunity or a team down there at the bottom to uh, to kind of make that run. So if, if I look at that, 
I don't know if anyone's rushing to put their money on the Flyers, the Sharks, the Coyotes, the Blue Jackets, the Ducks, the Blackhawks at this time of year. There's some mid-range ones that that maybe you might be able to convince people on, like the St. Louis Blues, like the Washington Capitals at 74-1 to to win the Stanley Cup. I mean, they've still got a good team in Washington. And then, you know, you were talking about some some high-profile New York Islanders alumni there. Mm-hmm. They're 39-1 to 1 to win the Stanley Cup right now. So there are a couple of long shots, I suppose, if you were really interested. But, you know, most people are going to be on the front runners: Boston, Colorado, Carolina, and Vegas are the top four. Leafs are at 11-1. to 1. So I don't know. Maybe we're seeing a little, little – maybe it's taken a little longer for the public to get super excited about the Leafs right now. What about the individual goals and points and things like – like if I'm thinking of goals, I'm like, man, can can Tage Thompson squeeze all the way through, or does everybody just look at McDavid and go, yeah, he's going to be uncatchable, even though the gap isn't very big. Well, you know, it's the goaltending stats in McDavid's division right now, and, and he's contributed to some of it are not very good. So he's the favorite right now, plus one thirty five to win the Rocket Richard Trophy. But you know, you make a good point. Jason Robertson and Tage Thompson both plus 450. David Pasternak further down the list at 9-1 to one with Leon Dreisaitl. Austin Matthews, 14-1. to one. You know, he's, he's, he's always going to score his goals. So you guys know I love Tage Thompson. I feel like I was an early adopter uh, last season. Listen, 4.5-1 to one, though, I don't know. I almost want a little bit more. Uh, so I might wait before pulling the trigger on that one. But, you know, there's, there's some, some big shooters down the list. So it's definitely worth a look individual awards i don't know that we have to go through all of them i mean is it pretty obvious chris what what most betters are looking at uh, the norris are we looking at the heart are we looking at the calder the vesna like all the major awards is there one two or are all of them drawing action at this stage well you know everyone kind of defaults the the norris to kale mccarr i think but it's yeah. still paying two to one like that's something i'd look at you've got Rasmus Dahlin is second on that list at five to one. So two to one for Kel McCarr to win the Norris Trophy this year. That's something that I'd certainly consider right about now. And I think people probably will as we take the break. Maybe get a most gentlemanly and effective for declining the penalty as well. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens. But you know, that's always a popular one. Of course, the heart is is always popular. And then you know, we just talked about McDavid for the goal scoring race. He's an odds on favorite to win the heart at minus yeah. one thirty three, but. You know, and we've discussed this before. Okay, it's easy to give McDavid the heart. So do we do we start looking somewhere else as we go down the line? God forbid there's a, some kind of injury or whatever. There's some yeah. really good odds because he's such a big favorite on some others. Jason Robertson again at, at plus seven fifty. Nikita Kucherov fourteen to one. Kaprizov fourteen to one. Matthews fourteen to one. Say for example, McDavid does get hurt, and I'm not wishing that. But no. you got to think about these things. Then Leon Dreisaitl is 19 to 1 if he drags the Oilers into the playoffs or something like that. Okay. So it's a really good time, like you said off the top, to kind of reevaluate. You've got half a season done, and the odds have shifted since we started in October. Excellent stuff, Abs. We'll check back in the near future and start uh, doing something similar with the National Football League with big games ahead. So thanks again. I'll give no picks for the NFL. <laughs> Oh, I'm still stuffed from a lot of turkey and all the shenanigans of, of Christmas. So it's, you know, good to be looking at the new year, getting fresh and ready for 2023. But it's also nice to spend the time that you've been able to spend with your family, right? Because as you've alluded to many times with the world juniors and whatnot, this is new territory and welcomed territory for you. It really is. It's kind of amazing. Like 
you know, Christmas morning happened and I wasn't packing to go to the airport and <laughs> which is, which is pretty standard stuff for the past decade and a bit. Yeah. And uh, the only time I didn't do that was when I was already away and I was in Europe for it. Mm. And I love doing the tournament, but man, I sure have enjoyed just sitting here. Mm. Although you sure do eat a lot. You eat a lot. Yeah. So what's the, what's the Drager resolution going forward? Do you have any yet or are you still working yeah, on No, that? it's so, the same thing every year. It's eat less, drink less. That's, that's. How's that that's working it. out for you? Well, it's, it's, you know, I'm going to commit again. I fluctuate as you know, you've known me for many years. So I'll get into the new year. I'll drop 15, 20 pounds and I'll, you know, kind of get my act together. And then about three months into that, I go, yeah, you know what? I feel like I need to eat again, drink a little bit more. So that actually drifts into the summer. And then I go, oh, see that. Yeah. I don't know what's the best time to do that because the summer is more like you're more enjoying things. Yeah. And you got friends and you'll be at the cabbage. And I know in the winter, you're like, meh, I don't know. I'll just mm. have something else to eat. I got nothing else to do. Yeah. See, now you put a downer on. No, New it's just, you know, it could be something else, right? Okay. You well, know, I look forward to you your need, support. You know what? You need one of those, you need one of those watches that counts your steps and your sleep and your, and oh, so I, I could just, you got one? No, you need, what I was thinking is I need a watch or something that as soon as my calorie count um gets too high, you like a dog collar, you get the shock or something like, <laughs> like when you get to 1500 calories and you're trying to lose weight or, or if you haven't got your steps in that day, you get like a 30 second tase or something. like. That. Anyway, time to wrap up, right? We need to say thank you and happy holidays to our partners who make this podcast possible. Our title sponsor, good friends at Canadian club who ask, are you over beer? Boston Pizza, pick it up or get it delivered to your door. Just let Boston Pizza do the cooking tonight. Botano.ca, it's available now in Ontario. The game starts now. And by Doer, check them out at Doer.ca. Use code RND15 to save 15% off everything at Doer. That is episode 27 of the Rain Drake's Hockey Podcast. And we look forward to the next one, which shockingly is episode 28. Be well, everybody. Thank you.